Okay, so just start talking what you were just saying. <laughs> All right, so I, I was a little shocked because I, I know maybe this podcast is going to become like uh, things you shouldn't say because they'll make Andy mad. Um, but, you know, like when old, we were... Old man yells about things? Yeah. Old man yells about the way... <laughs> All new kids talk, you know what I mean? You know, so we did a whole episode on someone saying in the grocery store, you're fine, you know, or crossing over someone and, and maybe, you know, like, oh, I'm sorry. And they're like, oh, y- y- you're fine. Well, I know I noticed something else that is that I don't know if it's bugged me, but I, f- I found it really interesting is that, you know, I don't know if this makes me very unsophisticated, but uh, I finished this season of Survivor. I thought it was another great great reality tv season um i know like i like coldplay and survivor that means like i'm utterly basic, i am you know shocked I mean? that that show is still <laughs> on like i remember watching the first three episodes in like high school and then dropping yeah. off it's still going strong huh i would like to say that i only still watch it because i watch it with Maisie and it's something we can do dad and daughter but she's kind of bailed on it the last few seasons so like i've just binged it and i actually really enjoy it i find it really i don't know kind of like comforting and uh, mindless but i love the strategy too but here here's here's my old man get off my lawn is that i it, it, it was during the uh during the finale either the finale episode or like the the post um I guess it's like the post game report, you know, like they do the, the debrief show after what are those called? Where They bring all the contestants back. Yeah. 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 Sit around and yeah. But as survivor fans will know the last few seasons, they've been doing them. They announce who won right at the last vote. Like remember before, like Jeff would grab the, the urn of all the votes and be like, we're going to read these in Los Angeles and like take off in a helicopter or whatever. Now, I don't know. I think this is kind of pandemic related or something because they didn't think they were going to be able to do these big gatherings in Burbank or whatever. So uh, they've been announcing it right there, right, right after people vote. And then they do the, they do the after show. I guess that's what it's called. An after show. They do an after show right during that. So it's, it's kind of interesting because people are really fresh. But this is what I've noticed is people have hung on too long for me to talk about inside stuff on Survivor. <laughs> so anyhow, I've noticed in that in the after show um, as people were talking and or even as they were just kind of talking in the fin- in the final episode, like, and you, you know, you have to you have to state how you played your game and, and stuff like that. But this is the phrase that people kept on saying that I found really fascinating is that people kept on saying, I'm so proud of myself. All right. Now, I found that illuminating. I found it annoying, but I also found it uh, illuminating in a certain way. And I think what I found illuminating is, is not that people were proud or could have pride. Like that's been a common human virtue for a long time but there's this there's this certain sense like i don't think and and maybe a historian can write us and tell us that we're full of crap but i don't think really before the modern period and probably the late modern period someone would have the kind of relationship that most of us have with ourselves to be able to assume a kind of stature where you could be proud of yourself like you could be someone who was filled with pride and maybe that was something that needed to be broken in you or you could be a noble and um and have some pride as you engaged with the world but to be proud of yourself as a kind of statement seems particularly modern and particularly 
odd. I think what it it tends to mean, what it communicates, again, and this is a, a theme that we've been we've been beating in this podcast for a while, is that the self is its own project. So there's a, there's a certain way where you can kind of stand back and like a painting, look at yourself and be like, I'm proud of this. I'm I'm proud of this. And and what they're talking about in Survivor is not like an artistic endeavor that is that actually becomes something outside of them they're really talking about their own resiliency they're talking about their own um, ability to strategize they're talking about their ability to interact with people but there's this sense when one's proud of themselves and i think in some sense what they're really saying is i'm proud of myself i discovered something about myself i played myself perfectly out here and i'm proud of myself and i just i i find something really interesting in at stake here as we think about like faith formation and we think about what it means to be in christ or what it means to be or just what it means to think about theological anthropology or who are these people we're preaching to that this sense of of being able to stand outside yourself and be proud of yourself is interesting. But Derek, it's coupled with another thing that was said that I think maybe highlights what I'm getting at even more, um, or at least maybe underlines what I'm trying to get at, is that a couple people said, and this is you know so reality TV, so annoyingly Survivor, people are saying, what I really learned from being out there for... They're out. They're not out there as long anymore. They're out there like thirty, you know, twenty-seven days now or something, not forty-one or whatever they used to be out there for. And the people are saying, you know, I, I just discovered, I discovered that I'm my own inspiration. And like some people are using this as a kind of mantra, like be your own inspiration. And to me, those things are kind of linked together. Where there's this really weird, like duality of you being able to kind of look at yourself as a project and then therefore kind of examine it and be like, I am proud of myself. Um, So that you almost become your own other in a sense where before someone could say like, Derek, I'm proud of you. But you wouldn't say necessarily like, I'm proud of Derek. You'd say, I have pride that I've done this or um, I am prideful in, in this situation or I have great pride when I look at my, my children. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't say like, they're my children. I'm proud of myself for my children. You can see how it, is, it actually isn't even a external reality. It's a fully internal kind of construct. To be proud of yourself puts you in a real echo chamber with yourself, you know, because to be proud is actually a response of something outside you, but to be proud of yourself is really only internal. And what's external is somewhat, is somewhat not important, you know, like I guess in some ways it is because the environment of survivor or whatever kind of situation you're in gives you the motivation or gives you the context that makes you turn in on yourself. But ultimately your pride is what what you've created within, what you've discovered about yourself, which is what these people are saying. Like, in many ways, like, especially the people who lost weren't saying, like, I'm proud of the way I play the game. They kind of said that. But ultimately, their big takeaway, if they didn't get the million dollars, was, like, I came out of this really learning about myself and proud of myself. And so then this, the second piece I'm, uh, is a few people said, like, be your own inspiration. What I discovered here is that you have to be your own inspiration. I don't know, man. Help me. But that seems like the most nonsensical statement I've ever heard. Like inspiration is something that comes into you from outside of you, you know, and inspires you and and mobilizes you. Um, And in some ways, like inspiration 
could then, but it should send you out of yourself, but be your own inspiration. I guess maybe you can be your own inspiration, but again, it seems to like signal in that kind of language game here of I'm proud of myself and be your own inspiration. A certain sense. I mean, I guess it's Taylor's whole thing of like the self is really buffered and the way we're now even talking kind of perpetuates the buffering of the self even further. Well, I wonder too if there's just this sense of like the performative self where you always have to be on now and everything you say could get recorded and blasted out for all eternity. So there's this sort of like conscious move of always thinking about yourself as two individuals, like your public facing persona, but then also who you are deep down. Like, you know, in the 1950s, like to say something like that, I'm proud of myself. It probably just wouldn't even logically compute to somebody because they're like, what are you talking about? You know, like you have to almost like split yourself in half to even be able to say that you're proud of yourself and you're acknowledging that you sort of have these two halves to your personality. I don't know. That's what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think that's true that you do have a kind of sense of watching yourself perform. And maybe that's probably a really interesting point. Like, um, it is the fact that they know they're that they're going to be watching themselves play this game. Like they're going to become a character in their own entertainment. You know, they're going to, they're going to be watching themselves do this and they're going to be proud of themselves as they watch themselves kind of objectively on the screen. They're going to be proud of themselves on how they've played. What I find fascinating for most of us who will not be, you know, on survivor, except I, I know a guy, uh, named Austin, who was on Survivor and made it all the way to the merge. And he's a really good guy and has written a great book um, called, I think it's called The Pastor's Bookshelf. Um, but you can look up Austin uh, Carty. He's a, he's a great guy and he was on Survivor. But uh, most of us aren't going to be on Survivor, even if we if we want to be. And most of us won't even kind of have that sensation, though we all do in a certain way, of being able to watch ourselves. Um, I guess in some ways we do. I mean, I don't know if this is true with you, Derek, but when I was spending most of my life during the pandemic on Zoom. And when I'm still on Zoom, and we're actually recording this right now on a, on a different software than, than Zoom, but I'm, I'm very aware of myself as I'm talking to you. Like I, I'm watching myself more often than I'm watching you, actually. I don't know if I should admit that. It's I, No, it's exhausting because you're consciously like, knowing what you look like and you're having this conversation where you're trying yeah. to actively listen. Like yeah, getting face I, to face with someone is way easier than getting on a zoom call for sure. Yeah. I mean, at least in this kind of dynamic of like watching yourself perform. And so I guess I do understand, like I could get done with this zoom call or, or I could get done with this recording and be like, I'm really proud of myself. You know, as I watched myself, it induced in me a pride in that person that I'm watching on on the screen there you know so I I get that but I just feel like you know what's really fascinating maybe as a takeaway to this is how that reality becomes just normalized and you know so that so that the people on Survivor say I'm so proud of myself and everyone watching is like, oh, that makes sense, of course. Yeah, you should be proud of yourself. Yeah, I, I understand that too because I do understand myself performing for myself and my myself as a project that I'm working on and I could be proud of this thing, this project here. Like it just makes coherent sense to us. And very few of us are like, wait, what? How could you be proud of yourself like that? I mean, you could be full of pride. You could engage the world pridefully. You could take pride in what, what happened but could be proud of yourself. That's, that's weird. But I think probably the only 
person who feels that way is me, you know, and maybe I've convinced like six people on this podcast to find it weird now, but it's it just become something that we say. And again, this is my point with, you know, oh, you're fine, is that these little throwaway lines, I think, do say something about the constitution of our of our kind of unthought philosophical anthropology, if you will, that has huge theological issues, you know, of how we think about what it means to be a self. What does it, you know, what does it mean to be performing this self for ourselves and for some nebulous audience out there? And um, what does God have to do with that? You know what I mean? Like in some sense, we become our own the, our own judges of ourself in that way. Like I'm proud of myself as a certain judge upon the self where I think, of course, at some level we always do that. But at another level, there's a kind of movement where the only one who can really judge the depth of the self is, is God, that God is the one um, who makes judgments about the self. Um, and yet now we feel both so connected and yet so disconnected from ourselves that it becomes a kind of project. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit too easy to say that we 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 become our own god, our own, our kind of own own judge in the midst of that. But that is somewhat um, what these people are getting at, and even be your own inspiration is a kind of sense of like you can be the kind of creature that can can constitute their own motivation, their own action, their own inspiration. Um, where I don't know, I just think at the core of our humanity, we're much more porous than that, and we need otherness in a certain way. And that inspiration in itself, I mean, I think this is a really kind of interesting thing of, of thinking about like art and 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 the creation of artistic expressions is that there was for a really long time the idea of anyone who created anything that moved towards beauty, like even in the Renaissance, there's a deep sense that this was that this was the inspiration behind this in many ways, the mobilizer of this was God. Um, and now we tend not to believe that we tend to believe that the self can, um, be inspired by itself to create something. So, you know, even, even the Renaissance artists, there was the sense that it wasn't from their own genius. It wasn't from the genius of their self that they got this. It was from, from God in the objective of painting something beautiful or sculpting something beautiful was to point people to the utter beauty of God's own being. And uh, now we're our own inspiration for the sake of our own inspiration so we can take pride in the creation of our own selves. You start to see a kind of deep sense of being, well, I mean, just to echo Luther again, a, a kind of curving in on the self. I've sensed as a pastor, uh, we've had people come and go in our congregation over the years, and this isn't a bad thing, so I'm not like putting anybody on blast or anything, but I think there's this sense now where we sort of see in the modern society ourselves as like this project that you can continue to work on, like the whole self-help thing, like it's a hobby, you know, you go to the gym and you do therapy and you do all this other stuff, and I think there's uh, some semblance that church is also a piece of that puzzle for folks. Like, we're kind of checking the spirituality boxes, right? But what's been really interesting is I've seen people come and go where it's just very obvious that they sort of see themselves as a project that they're working on, which is great, and I do that too, like, no qualms about it. But, you know, 
for whatever reason, our programs or our sermon content or the vibe of our worship service just isn't quite meeting that for them. And so then they like opt in and opt out and they'll hop to another church and they'll opt out of that and hop to another church. It's just really interesting, I think, how that dynamic plays out and how that's so different maybe than how church used to be. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there's still a, a deep kind of sense of self-help within that, but I, I think where it is evolved and changed is is kind of along the lines of the whole wellness culture. You know what I mean? Like um, from, you know, from from the from your Peloton to um, to Goop, isn't that what? Uh, um, is that the one that? Uh, um, actress, what's her what's name? Her name? Um, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow from yeah, yeah. like yeah. this, yeah, this yeah, yeah. yeah from from Peloton to like Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop. There's a, a kind of sense of that's a weird word to say. Um, there is a deep sense of how wellness is kind of filtered into every piece of our lives. And so you're kind of called to take care of your body and you can see how much it just becomes a project, you know, like eat organically, make sure you work out this way. And there's always some kind of strategy to get there. Um, there's a new book that's out that I can't remember the author's name right now, but it's called the gospel of wellness. Um, it's a journalist who was deep in the wellness world and basically makes a really strong claim i think as a as more you know someone who's not really connected to any kind of faith tradition or any faith community but really clearly says like this is a religion man like this is there's there's a deep sense of a gospel here that if you just can find these ways of eating and exercising and attending to your mind and your mental health that uh you can conquer and you can kind of see how this fits into the wellness kind of perspective, like be your own inspiration. Um, be your own insp- – what, what does that mean? I mean there's a, there is a kind of flatness to that reality of be your own inspiration um, where then, you know, like the church becomes a place to help you with some resources of finding a way to be your own inspiration but not necessarily giving you a story that – will inspire you with awe and fear that will make a different kind of claim about what it means to live well um, that will actually make a claim that wellness that wellness in the eyes of God first comes through death and loss and confession it will come through the confession that you cannot be your own inspiration <laughs> that um, that yourself is not a project and that the more yourself becomes a project, the more you get caught up with yourself and the more you become imprisoned and turn yourself into an idol. Um, and that idol, while in some ways beautiful um, the self is, is also not – does not have the capacity to save itself. You know, So um, yeah, that becomes a huge – I think a really huge challenge because most people – We'll stumble, especially in suburban areas, we'll stumble into our churches and assume the same kind of logic as as wellness culture. Like, we're here to get some resources, some wisdom, but not like wisdom in a kind of ancient Hebrew wisdom kind of way. But, you know, like some kind of wisdom like you get when you go to YouTube and ask, like, what's the best way to sleep on an airplane? And you get people telling you, like, I tried this, I did this, this is the best seat to, to get. Like, it's it's those kind of little strategies. So they're really wisdom becomes like life hacks, you know what I mean? Um, that's very, very different. So if the pastor sermons are just supposed to be life hacks um, to help you with wellness, then um, 
yeah, something's lost in the midst of that. And it sounds, too, maybe what the key ingredient missing is, is that sort of understanding of humility and that own understanding of brokenness and, you know, classic Reformation theology coming out here. But but there's there's some, no pun intended, wisdom to that. I think that, you know, a consumeristic culture that wants to market all this stuff and, and sell it to you, you know, like, like on my Peloton, and I love my Peloton, but if I take like three months off, and I show back up again. They're like, oh, it's amazing to have you here. You're just crushing your goals. And it's like, no, like, actually, I'm really sucking at this because I haven't done it in three months. Like, <laughs> no one's going to, you know, call you out on yeah. that. But, yeah. Well, I mean, that's part of the deal. I mean, that's we, we talked about this in another podcast. But that's that's the, the utter obsession with positivity that we get. You know, that if you are your own inspiration, um, I think this was in our Ted Lasso episode, that uh, you – you can't stand any negativity. You want it all positive because you are your own inspiration. To be your own inspiration, you need a coach like Ted Lasso. You know, that is always positive. That tells you around every turn, you are your own inspiration. The one thing you don't need is something that, you know, Luther really fundamentally believed, and not even Luther, but uh, Stupitz totally taught Luther is that the human person is fundamentally stuck and that uh, the more you turn on the self, the more you demand that the self through its own works, find a way to make itself well, the more the self has to bear the weight of it being the object of pride and it being its own inspiration, the more it will ultimately fail you. Um, the more that the self cannot bear that weight, and what the self ultimately is and needs is 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 others to be to be bound to. It needs to confess that it that there is something outside of it that it needs, um, and that the self is utterly beautiful. But it's most beautiful, and we see this in all forms of art. It's most beautiful when it's moving outside of itself for the sake not of itself, but for others when it actually is stripped of its pride and it finds itself um, in vulnerable communion it, it it feels taken up into something um, that is maybe truly inspirational um, that has no origin in the self but then becomes implanted in the self in, in, in a significant way When Church Stops Working, featuring Dr. Andrew Root. It's a podcast produced by me, Derek Tronsgaard. And a special thanks to our sponsor, Baker Publishing. You can grab Andy's brand new book, The Church After Innovation, which is out now on Amazon or wherever else you get your books, and look for his other titles as well. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time for another round of When Church Stops Working.